0: and welcome to another episode of Stamper Cinema. As always, I am your host. My name is Andrew. Thank you very much for downloading this latest episode. And this is an episode I'm really excited to be sharing with you. Uh, I know I say that all the time, but I mean, it's always true. But this time, it's especially true because we've got Naomi Baby back. If you remember, we had Naomi on the show last year. where We talked about the film X. And we talked about it from kind of like a storytelling screenwriting perspective, which is pretty relevant because the fact that Naomi is the the founder of write and she's and she's um, a screenwriting teacher and screenplay consultant. So that little deep dive that we did with X was such a great episode. And now we're going to be talking about one of my favorite films from 2022 in vengeance like. If you've listened to this podcast before, you've heard me reference that film, I don't know, a few times. I say a few, but maybe like 10 or 11 times. I don't know. I, I talk about it a lot. And it's just um, just a, a really, really great film. And Naomi and I are going to take a little deep dive into that. So without further ado, let's just get right on into it. Well, again, Naomi, thank you. Thank you so much for for uh, coming back and seeing us. How are you?
1: I'm great. And thanks for having me again. I'm excited to be back.
0: Yeah, this is gonna be really exciting. Uh for the listeners, we actually had an opportunity to uh connect. You're here in the Atlanta area as we're recording this. So that's that's kind of wild. Like we we met, we hung out for a little while and uh grabbed a couple drinks and we then we said our goodbyes. And I'm like, wait, should I hug Naomi? I don't know. I just met her. This is kind of different. I'm like, I think <laughs> I should no, no. And then just left. Uh but that was just so much uh, it was so much fun getting an opportunity to uh to meet you. Yeah, it's
1: it's fun because we met You know, over video before. And so it's always nice to kind of like actually get to see each other in person. But then I also feel like we're close enough kind of post pandemic that it's also just fun to to leave the house and go see people and, you know, connect in person because of that as well. So,
0: yeah. Well, how's everything going with uh, with uh, with Wright & Co.?
1: It's good. Uh, business is great. I've been very busy. Um, as you mentioned, I'm in the Atlanta area for a little while, and it's really nice to be able to kind of take my business with me and work wherever I am. So, it's um, it's worked out really well. It's it's going good.
0: Oh, wonderful! I'm I'm glad to hear that. Now, yeah. when we connected, we we discussed several potential movies uh, that would be interesting, and the one that we landed on, I'm really excited about talking about, but. Kind of curious, uh, if you wouldn't mind, we don't have to, you don't have to do the plot somewhere, but what is the movie that we're going to be getting into? Why did you want to talk about this movie?
1: Well, I think, hopefully I watched the right one. I think we decided on Vengeance. Was that right? You did. Yes. Okay, good. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah, I so I had only seen the movie once before, but I was super impressed with it. I was Maybe I went into it with low expectations. I just didn't know what it was going to be about or... Um, sort of what to expect from it. And I was super impressed. I thought BJ Novak did such a great job of both writing and directing. And it was, it was really fun and funny and smart. And I thought had a lot of really interesting points to think about um, beyond just the story. So I thought it would be a good one to talk about. And then when you mentioned that it's one of your favorite movies or favorite of recent times, I guess, uh, I, I was excited to hear your take on it, too.
0: Yeah, well, I'm I'm really really pumped about it. Uh, So as Naomi just mentioned, we're going to cover Vengeance came out last year. Also, uh, as Naomi mentioned, written, directed, starring B.J. Novak from The Office. Uh, Let's see what else you need to know statistic wise. Said it came out last year. It's a Blumhouse film, so budget I don't know somewhere between 500 grand and 5 million. I don't know. I'm definitely on the lower lower spectrum, but. Looks fantastic, huge cast. The music, I don't know if you're aware of this, but was done by by Phineas, uh, so Billie Eilish's brother.
1: Yeah, I saw his name on the credits and I was surprised by that too. I just had no idea. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, cast wise, BJ Novak again, who played Ryan from The Office. You had Boyd Holbrook, John Mayer has a, has a cameo in this, Ashton Kutcher, uh, Issa Rae, J. Smith Cameron, and she's freaking fantastic in this. Uh, Terry Gross from NPR has a little like the voice voice work done in this. And let's see, who am I forgetting? Uh, For those that are fans of the Disney series, The Descendants, Dove Cameron is in it. I know all about that because I have a five year old daughter who uh, is all about The Descendants. So I've watched those movies dozens of times over. Uh, But (laughs) it was really funny because I remember watching those. I'm like, where do I know her from? But I knew her from from this because my daughter only recently discovered The Descendants in the past year. But anyway, I nice. uh, I ramble on box office wise, didn't really do a ton. I think just over four million, but has done relatively well. Like the video on demand, which for a lot of these smaller films seems to be kind of how a lot of these movies are making making their money these days. Mm mm-hmm. um, plot wise do you feel comfortable tackling the plot do you want me to give kind of like a little bite-sized plot or what do you what do you think
1: you go for it
0: okay uh so as mentioned the movie's the directorial debut of bj novak and it is essentially a story it's a dark dark comedy uh about about this uh journalist podcaster named ben and he travels from new york city to Western, Western Texas to investigate the death of a uh, a girl that he was hooking up with. Now, that's a very, very simple plot. Uh, the movie does tackle like hundreds of different little themes, whether you're talking about uh, the the online hookup culture, whether you're talking about detachment, whether you're talking about red states, blue states, America, true crime podcasts, uh, family vengeance. I mean, the movie tackles countless themes, right?
1: It does. It tackles a lot. And I, and I think it does it in a way that is not, um, you don't feel like the movie's scattered. Like it's talking about too many things or that, you know, it's, um, not making sense or, or not cohesive in any way. So that's another thing that I thought was so impressive about it is that he slips in these little kind of statements that he wants to make. And, um, you know, it's all kind of like layered into the story in a way that doesn't feel like it's hitting you over the head with it either.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, obviously with your expertise in uh, screenwriting and reading screenplays, by chance, uh, I don't know if you've had the opportunity to take a look at the the screenplay for this film at all.
1: I haven't. Have you read it?
0: I haven't. I I see that it was like on script fly, but I, I didn't pay the like the 10, 15 bucks for it or anything like that. But I do see that it's available. I would like to get my hands on it because I... In our conversation we were i can't remember we were discussing oh we we were talking about uh back to the future and and kind of breaking that movie down but uh just even thinking about the beats in this movie since our conversation and then revisiting i've had a fun time kind of just breaking breaking the film down by inciting incidents in different beats and and then just different different theories of of screenwriting whether you know you're looking at the uh, joseph campbell or, or like uh, the christopher vogler uh version of it or robert mckee or i'm I'm kind of curious to know what the 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 save the cat uh outlook on on this on this film is and and how it how it measures uh within within the parameters that you guys discuss in there
1: yeah i so i didn't take a specific look at the movie through kind of the lens of the save the cat beats but um, of course, when you're watching it, you can't help but kind of notice the big turns, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I do feel like it it hits the beats that we expect at least early on because um, it feels like the inciting incident sort of happens right when you expect it to. And then, you know, right around like 25 minutes in, it feels like there's that turn from act one to act two where it's like, well, he's in Texas now and this is what he's going to do, right? And that's yeah. kind of the hallmark of that, of that act break. Um, and then I do remember pausing at one point sort of like three quarters of the way through the movie or so and I was like I bet this is right around the break into act three and it was yeah it was you know about 25 minutes left of the movie or so so that was yep. right around there yeah um, so I think that you know if you're looking at it from a three-act structure point of view it sort of has that that shape that we look for most often in in mainstream movies it definitely hits those big turns in a way that gives the movie, you know, a certain sense of pacing and and shape. Um, but I don't feel like it hits you over the head with those beats either. Like there's nothing about it to me that feels formulaic or feels, right. you know, too expected or or too predictable. So what were your, did you have any revelations when you were looking at it kind of through the lens of other screenwriting paradigms or
0: i mean not necessarily any revelations I mean, you, when you when you read a ton and you, you get different uh different kind of like perspectives you you kind of watch movies and see those little moments and see like okay this is what's happening in here and this and this is uh where we are within this point of the story but uh to your point it's not very formulaic and that's just what it's amazing is because this is essentially a template that's as old as, you know, like men have been like telling stories. Right. I mean, right. (laughs) So the, what it comes down to is just how seamless the, the story that you're watching is that even though, you know, technically what should be happening, it doesn't feel contrived or formulaic. It's just like, you're on this journey and the case of Ben who is, you know, our, our hero, he's such a fascinating character and not because i I don't i don't think he's necessarily uh like your 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 great uh strong hero but we he pitches this podcast right this whole idea of about like how america split and and really he's really just actually pitching himself in the end that his whole like pitch of everything that he's talking (laughs) about as far as american this is how it works no this is how really he operates in this world and and then you kind of watch his journey to um, the ending. And this is going to be a really tough podcast because of the fact that the the ending is so important for his journey. But this movie is still so fresh and you don't want to, uh, at least spoil I it. don't want to spoil that. So it, it's going to be kind of like a a, a tough, um, kind of like tough, uh, um, you know, kind of, um, I don't know. Uh, line across so (laughs) yeah yeah. so
1: are we are we drawing a line is there nothing nothing after the break into act three or yeah
0: nothing from the moment that uh mason aka el stupido gives him (laughs) gives him a ride uh at the um basically we we can stop at the 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 whataburger the whataburger uh uh, scene so i think it's maybe maybe the place to kind of go but what I love is you know I think this is going to be as all my other podcasts are just a little snapshot into my brain of just how, how far everywhere in multiple directions I go simultaneously but to keep it like kind of like a um a little discipline here like regarding Ben like our first conversation he's having this conversation uh or or, or introduction to Ben he's having a conversation with his buddy John John Mayer and they're <laughs> They're talking all about hookup dating and and just how it's all kind of like bite-sized. But what I love about their relationship is just how even detached they are from themselves, right? You've got these two guys talking to each other. Not yep. once do they give themselves like eye contact. They don't look at each other at any time. Um, they Their only way of really perpetuating conversation is just by saying 100%. You know, there's yeah. no actual conversation going on and you just see how they are completely detached from everything in their surroundings. And then over the course of the journey of the film, you know, we were taken to West Texas and these people that this New Yorker perceives as kind of like simpletons at every scene, they're always together. Like this this entire family dynamic. And that's obviously not by accident. I mean, you know, you you see how important of the connection that they've got and He's obsessed with his technology. Their Wi-Fi is spotty at best at their own home. They don't give a shit. You know, like none <clears> of that matters. Their their connection is what is the driving point for their lives, where his disconnection is how he functions in society. So it's, it's very, very interesting. So
1: Yeah, and I'll just add, I'll, I totally agree with everything you're saying, but I'll just add, for me, when I look at sort of, you know, to take it back to like the screenwriting principles, when I look at the movie from a thematic point of view and like, what is the thematic underpinning of this story that really gives it that meaning um, or makes it meaningful? I think that somebody says early on, I think it's Issa Rae, says early on, she's talking about his pitch, his podcast pitch. Right. And she's like, you're all, you're all up here and you need to be down here. Right. She's mm-hmm. pointing to her head and her heart. And so she's telling him like, get out of your head, stop, intellectualizing things, stop thinking about them and making it um, you know, like a distanced sort of observation and think about what it means and the feeling and how it moves you and, you know, connecting with people is part of that too, right? And the whole um the music bit and Ashton Kucher's sort of uh, long speech that he gives about how everyone wants to be heard, and the sound that we leave behind is the record of us and stuff like that. That all goes along with that too, because it's it's really like everyone just wants to be everyone wants to feel like they've been heard, and that is part of that idea of connecting with people, right? Hearing them, hearing what they really have to say, not just waiting for them to finish speaking so that you can say what you're going to say, uh, and that's all part of. Uh, Ben's journey, going from being someone who, you know, his deep conversation is standing next to his friend saying 100% (laughs) to, you know, really hearing the people that he's surrounded himself with and seeing what they're really about, accepting them for that or not. And, and, you know, connecting with them on a deeper level than just waiting for them to finish talking as he's doing in the beginning. So I love that about the movie.
0: It is a really good story. And what pisses me off is it's also brilliantly like written like dialogue wise so like <laughs> yeah. you've got a great story but then you also have these just really really sharp lines and the ashton line uh for example that you kind of like mention uh do, 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 is oh th- th- i'm kind of like kind of taking a little like bite size but he's like he'd say that nobody writes anything all we do is translate so if you ever get stuck and you don't know what to say just listen even to the silences listen as hard as you can to the world around you repeat what you hear. That translation, that's your voice. And it's just kind of, you know, just some of those, uh, that idea that nobody, nobody writes anything, all we do is translate and then just kind of like, kind of like honing into that, I find kind of, kind of interesting. But there's all sorts of little genius lines from the from these very, very small town people um, in the, the middle of nowhere, Texas. Have you out of curiosity ever spent any time in Texas?
1: So I I've been to Austin, which is a joke from the a joke mm-hmm. from the movie, but also true. I've been to Austin uh, and I've been to um, the part of West Texas where Friday Night Lights happened, okay. the, the, the movie and the TV yeah. show. Uh, and I can't remember the name of the little town I was in, but it is very much like that. Like it looks the same and football is huge. And that's kind of the big activity on the weekends and stuff like that. I went there for a wedding, actually, which was great How about you.
0: Well, yeah. So I, I lived in Austin for close to uh, close to seven years. And again, there is the great joke that, uh, about Austin. I mean, really he, they shit more on, on Dallas and Houston, which is yeah. wonderful, uh, for, especially for those that live in Austin. Uh, we, we certainly take our, uh, the fulfillment, like, uh, in, in kind of like joking, joking on, uh, Dallas, I think, what is it line? He says, uh, Dallas ain't Texas. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> Houston's another country. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it, it's true that there is, it, there is something really amusing. And my friends from Austin that listened to the podcast, I I, I know they're like kind of like shaking their head, uh, you know, kind of like nodding their heads with this, but the, these are very, very prideful people. They, they love, they love their Texas and where they live in Texas is the greatest place in Texas. Right. Um, oh my God. Ah, uh, Boyd Holbrook, just to kind of complete that thought, is I mean this is a very very small town, but he says uh, this is the most godforsaken stretch of land on the face of the earth, and I never leave.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's so that, good. And
0: that's it, it's such a great line, but it's also so true to uh, many of the the Texans that I that I that I've met. Is again they've got enormous enormous pride. It's the only state I that I know of where like the state flag is at like the same level as like the, like the American flag, right? Texans are Texans first and then Americans, but I mean, they're very patriotic Americans, but they're Texan to the core. And, uh, it just, yeah. So this is kind of like a little fun love letter and the, the research that BJ Novak did into making this movie, uh, uh, you know, to come to, come to life. And, um, I, I was reading this interview and I apologize if I'm kind of like commandeering this, this conversation, but, um, he, when he when he showed up, they, you know, I guess he 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 was getting recognized and he thought that people were like recognizing him because he was this this Hollywood kind of filmmaker coming into their town. But really, he was a guy that was wearing the white sneakers and they just <laughs> thought that was just really weird. And so they're like, hey, there, there, there you are. And like, oh yeah you've seen my work he's like no man you're the the guy with the white sneakers everybody's talking about the guy in the white sneakers and which i just think is just awesome
1: well such a such a um a feat of what he did i think is it would have been very easy and i'm sure a, a lesser filmmaker would have gone the direction of poking fun at the people in texas right without without sort of you know, turning the finger back at himself. And I think mm. what he did so well is, yeah, he did poke a little fun at them, but ultimately he played sort of the foil in the mm. in the movie, right? It was yeah. he was the one who needed to change the most and learned the biggest lesson and kind of had a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a comeuppance in his attitude. Um, and I think that's a big part of what makes the movie work because it would have felt like it would have felt too mean if all he was doing was you know, making fun of the people that he met in Texas. It would have felt very cliché, I think.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, So when... Let me me, me rephrase that. Obviously, we both enjoy this movie, but why, why do you think this movie sticks the landing? Why do you come back to this movie?
1: Well, for me, and this is maybe different for everyone right but for me I was so impressed that he had so many interesting things to say and was able to say them kind of wrapped up in a a pretty classic like you know mystery structure like investigation structure um so the movie was entertaining on its own really funny like you said great dialogue I laughed throughout the movie um but also the the plot is strong like it you know it carries you through you never feel like it's lagging or anything like that but those things plus he has all these interesting things to say and when i left i was like oh i want to think about that movie some more i want to i want to like ponder what he's saying and and go back and watch it again and see if i catch anything else so mm-hmm. um for me that's why it's a, a rewatch. <laughs> yeah no <laughs> you know? for sure
0: for sure um any any again as you just said he, he's trying to he, he's cramming a lot of stuff into this movie and it doesn't ever feel like I, I, actually they're like kind of like, like bite sized themes that he, that I think he weaves in really well. You're not really like hit over the head and it's not it's not just kind of like a morality uh, you know play but there are some really good lessons and, and, and themes that we're trying to like tackle into. Is there anything that kind of like stands out that that really like hit home to you
1: yeah well i um so i think what really made me stand up and take notice when or i didn't stand up literally but you know sit up and take notice when i was watching the movie so the the first conversation that he and john mayer have when you know they're 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 sort of um talking about their hookups and who they're dating and their fear of commitment and what fear of commitment really is and all that stuff. Uh, that made me laugh. And I felt like it really just rang true with sort of modern yeah. dating culture. Um, but the, th- the first bit of dialogue or, or you know, kind of the point that he made that really made me sit up and take notice and, and want to watch it again was when he's talking, when he's pitching his podcast to Issa Rae and he's saying he he gives this whole speech about how the reason that we're so disconnected right now as a as a cult as a modern society right is because we're all living in our own time and mm-hmm. because we watch you know we watch things whenever we want to watch them we communicate in our own times be, in our own time zone really because we can send a message and not get a response until that person is ready to give a convenient response like we're not having conversations we're sort of having conversations across our own time zones um and I just thought that whole speech was so fascinating and rang true but I had never thought of it that way before yeah
0: no. I basically
1: had the same reaction that Issa Rae had in the movie like huh that is really interesting I want to think about that some more there's it feels like there's a lot there you
0: know yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it was so good. And it really did kind of complete what they were what what he and John Mayer were like talking about it. Um, and again, just just great, great lines one after another. But like uh, when John Mayer says like dating somebody for more than uh, dating somebody for more than one month is a serving suggestion, <laughs> which is just to like kind of like tackle into uh, just like food and how we consume. We consume calories, we consume food, but we're also consuming people. Right uh he that th- says if i if i know what someone's parents do for a living i've hung out too long right i mean these <laughs> yes. these are things that that w- that we that we're learning you know like uh like tinder culture and whatever other uh social uh dating apps are out there but and then just to kind of like complete that thought that he had with israey just kind of like brought it home and to kind of like trans uh kind of transition into the next uh phase of this film where you see like right off the bat okay well he's obviously going to change. He's the person that's going to have the big lesson. I mean, as most, most films, our hero does have to, has to have some type of growth, but it's really interesting because in the beginning we, we see he's obviously sharp. He's obviously very intelligent, but it's that kind of elitism in many ways is that's what like that rug is going to get pulled out from underneath him. And that's, it's going to be really interesting to see how that journey uh, manifests itself. And, and there and Darren is the, the movie Vengeance, which uh, is just so good. So let's see. Where do we where do we want to go from here in this conversation?
1: Ooh, well, um, because I know this is one of your recent favorites, um what is it about this movie that you feel like makes it rewatchable? Or what made you what made you sort of um, you know, sit up and take notice of it the first time you watch it? Do you remember what your reaction was?
0: So I knew right off the bat I was going to enjoy it because it it was just going to be a uh, it was going to be a Texan story, uh, which, again, just something that is now just uh, uh, very, very much in my heart. But I I like the shift that happens with this movie when he meets Ashton uh, Ashton Kutcher, when he when when Ashton has that little conversation with the female singer and then you see. B.J. Novak or Ben, his character kind of like take notice of that and like, oh, there's, there's more to this guy. And then he started, you you started to see that kind of take hold with the other interactions that he was having with the character. So I'm, I'm a sucker for, for a good character, for a good character arc. But it, I think that's around the time where the movie stopped being as funny, and then just became more well rounded. And I I was more invested, like, okay, I don't I, I want to know what, what uh what happened to uh, Abilene. I wanna know uh that, but I'm really more fascinated to see what how Ben is going to change as a result of 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 uh the people and the the Shaw family. Cause uh yeah. that's in the end, he they they lose a daughter, but they gain a son in a different way, you know? And it's he gains a family and so I, I love broken and flawed characters, even ones that are extremely smart. But I I, I love the the lessons that we that we learn through through uh, through drama or comedy, and that's that's those are the things that that really appeal to me. Why I come back to movies It's just to uh, all right, I, I've seen it now. I want to go back and experience that again. And again, there's just really good kind of um, beautiful dialogue that. The, the, the movie closes on is um, the, 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 the lines about regret, which is just really good. And it's just one of those things that you can also look at your, your own life. So um, what is it? Um, you run as fast as you can from the last regret. And of course, you are just running straight into the next one. That's life. It's all regrets. That's what they should say. No way to no, no other way to be alive. It's all regrets. Make them count. And whether or not that's 100% true, I don't know. But it seems seems accurate and it seems a a way to kind of look at life as far as that we do have moments of regret. And that is that's all brought because Ben's character says no regrets. And the, the maternal figure says it's all regrets. And that's what life is. And you you wonder about her path to where it's gotten her there, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know if I necessarily have a point, but it's the the little lessons that that Ben learns along the way that I feel there's there's real life practicality that you can kind of take away from. And those those are the things that that appeal to me, I would say.
1: Yeah. I And I love that last those last lines of dialogue, too, because I feel like it it's such a like you said, I don't know if it's 100 percent true I do know that I, I I agree with the sentiment and I feel like that way of expressing it is such an interesting way uh, such a an interesting you know um way of phrasing it that I've never thought of before because I totally agree and and the lesson of the movie is like you know don't um don't overthink things and keep yourself from experiencing things you know because you're overthinking them like go out and live life and, and experience things and connect with people and, and all that stuff. Right. So that's kind of the arc that he has. And I feel like her, her little spiel to him is such a, such a lovely way of encapsulating that, that also feels unique and like something I've never heard anyone say before, you know, yeah. and it's such a great bookend too, to the, that opening conversation he's having where isn't it isn't it that conversation with John Mayer where they're talking about, um, you know, fear of commitment is just fear of regret because Mm -hmm. you just, yeah. So it's such a great, you know, bookend to that and really shows like, Oh, this is the guy he was in the beginning and this is the lesson he's learned by the end, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um...
1: Was there anything in the movie that you felt didn't belong there could have been cut, would have made it better to not have?
0: anything i would cut i don't know like I, I think everything works even the things that i think potentially could have been a disaster still somehow work the the uh the el Stupido thing um yeah. like well, he doesn't speak spanish and like oh that's, that's that's kind of a kind of a cheat joke but it does kind of be it does kind of work in the end when he's like mason brought in, he's like who the fuck is mason he's like that's your brother you know so just kind of uh that he's like well he's a little bit el stupido himself he doesn't know his brother's name but kind of the the uh the the uh the liam neeson reference um and it's like yeah um but then kind of like a little schindler's list so like a couple couple jokes that i'm like that's a little questionable but yet it still it still works um the rodeo was good i do love how the explosion uh, like exploding car in the end is really m- nothing more than a MacGuffin, which uh-huh. I think, which is, which is great. Um, what would I cut? Honestly, Naomi, I'm not sure I would. <laughs> I mean, it's because the movie is about an hour and 40 minutes, give or take a minute or two. It's pretty crisp. I don't think there's. No, I don't think there was any moment that I found myself looking at my phone, you know, uh, just trying to do something else. I, I, the movie movie captured me and I kind of, Hung around for a while, yeah. Yeah. What about you?
1: Same. I mean, I so like you said, it's about a hundred minutes, right? Um, mm-hmm. I felt like the pacing of it was really was so swift that by the time I the first time I think I glanced at my phone, it was already you know close to three quarters of the way over, and I was really just looking to see like, oh, is this is this sort of like plot turn happening where I think it is. Um, so I don't think nothing in the movie jumped out at me as something that needed to to be cut mm. or should go in order to improve, you know, kind of the story or the pacing. Um, I think he did. You mentioned this earlier. I think he did front load it with more humor, and then it definitely got more serious as you yeah. know as we got closer to the end, which is fitting. I think that happens in a lot of movies, right? Um, but that that shift in tone, I will say, that's that is the one thing that I was sort of like, Oh, this is, I mean, it's working for me. I can see how other people might have, it might be ending up someplace they didn't think they were going. And that, that can throw people off, you know?
0: Yeah. That's, it's really, I, I love that you bring that up because you there are a lot of shows are, a lot of shows are kind of like exploring that shows that, um, that start very very kind of like haha funny and they kind of spiral down whether it's like the show like dead to me on netflix or uh a show that i love on hbo called Barry, you have these shows that are very comedic initially and then they just they get darker and darker they still maintain elements of the comedy but it just feels like uh i don't know if it's, if it's more of a common trend uh right now or current trend right now but dark comedies are I'm just noticing them a little bit with a little bit more regularity, but the, the, the shift. Yeah. I, I think I I could see where some people might think, well, I, I thought this was just going to be kind of a, a guy going to, I thought this was going to be a little like my cousin Vinny where this movie is not at all like my cousin Vinny, which by the way, my cousin Vinny is amazing too, but this movie does. Yeah. This does take a little bit of a shift, but it's that shift where, that I take a movie that I was enjoying to a movie that I kind of like fell in love with personally.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, um, I feel like he really hooked us in with the the humor and the witty banter up front. Um, I actually am not sure if I would have enjoyed the movie as much if it had been sort of, if it didn't have that humor to kind of open us up and, mm-hmm. and, Hook our attention, um, so I'm glad that it had that shift. You're right, though. I think that that's probably a, a hallmark of um, of the genre that he's playing around in. So it's it's not unusual, I don't think, it, or it's not, un, not that we've ever. Sorry, not that we've not seen that happen in other movies, but um, uh, probably in that genre, it happens pretty often. So. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. Um, well, let's see. Obviously, this movie does. Kind of like uh, tackle loosely the the whole true crime phenomenon, and I'm kind of curious about you. Are you a true crime uh, junkie yourself?
1: Yes. So that you you bring up um, a fun topic because I am both a podcast fan and a true crime fan and a true crime podcast fan. So <laughs> it was I was like, okay, this is I feel I feel personally attacked by this movie, but. um no, but it's true. I mean, there. I feel like in the last, I don't know, what is it like, five, seven, eight years, something like that. The rise of like interest in true crime yeah. is kind of astonishing. I, I'm, I'm sure every true crime fan says this, but I've been a fan of kind of like true crime, like learning about cases since I was a kid, right? Um, so I'm a little bit surprised that all of a sudden it's become this hugely popular genre uh but i'm glad because there's lots of stuff that i'm interested in watching so Mm. so there's that um i did think you know going back to your comment about how funny the dialogue is there's one line that really made me laugh in the movie that was um not every white guy in new york needs a podcast and that that made me laugh (laughs) because we're also in a time of just i mean look at us now the two of us talking on a podcast right Mm -hmm. so I thought that that was a fun way to kind of poke a little fun at ourselves in this time.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I I, I enjoy that line. I didn't really feel personally attacked because I don't pretend to think that I'm saying anything insightful. Uh, <laughs> I bring the guests on and hoping hoping that they're going to wow me. So the pressure is really on you. I'm I'm completely I'm completely in the clear. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, what are what, what are some of your your do you have do you have like a favorite uh, true crime show that you listen to?
1: Well, it's almost like the, the grandmother of true crime podcast now. Um, uh, My favorite murder mm-hmm. is, is the one that kind of everyone listens to, I think. But um, this is probably not going to. I, I it's, OK, I'm going to confess something. So I also listen to the Dateline podcast, which isn't even a podcast. They just take the audio from old Dateline episodes and play them on a podcast feed. So that's sort of like my, um, that's like my guilty pleasure podcast listening. Yeah. (laughs) Dateline episode.
0: Yeah. Admittedly, I don't know a ton of true crime. I know that it's obviously huge. I've heard of my, um, my favorite murder. Uh, My favorite murder? Yeah. I had to pause. You just said it and I forgot it. So I've heard of that. Um, The extent really of my, My true crime knowledge goes to like the only murders in the building TV show. And I thoroughly enjoy that. That's that's a lot of fun. Uh, Regarding Dateline, uh, what's the name of the guy with that really, really silky voice? What is that guy's name?
1: Oh, gosh, now I can't remember. So um, the one that they made fun of on SNL was, is it? No. Oh, I'm not gonna remember it now. You put date me on the line, spot. <laughs> dateline
0: guy. I'm just gonna do uh, dateline guy, Bill Hader. Um,
1: I feel like I'll I'll know it right when you say it.
0: Keith Morrison.
1: Keith Morrison, yes. That's it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what a great voice that guy has. He
1: gets he gets mocked on SNL because he he always uses these funny phrases that sort of like nobody's sorry. Uh, <laughs> They're literally right outside the window. Um, He uses these phrases that are just a little bit off. They're like nobody uses them anymore or they're just a little bit, you Mm. know, um, sort of a slight left turn from like a common phrase that we might use. And so he gets made fun of on SNL for that. And also he makes these funny noises when he's listening to somebody tell their, tell their sad story that might be slightly inappropriate, you know, for the situation. Um, you know what I'm interested in your thoughts on, because this movie does a good job of using podcasting as sort of a device in the plot. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, and writers always want to know how can they use like modern technology so that their scripts feel current, but sometimes it feels a little bit, you know, like the story isn't really about that. So how can we use technology in a way that feels like it's adding to the story? Do you have any thoughts on on that?
0: Uh, I'm sorry, what specifically is the question?
1: Just how can writers use technology sort of the way that DJ Novak used podcasting as, you know, the, the movie isn't about being a podcaster. It just, he... The character has that as sort of a career, as a as an entry point to learning about this story, right, and going to Texas and everything. Um, so I guess I think that's a good use of podcasting yeah, sure. in a story, rather than trying to, you know. Oh, podcasting's huge right now, so I'm going to write a whole movie just about being a podcaster. Like that would be, I think, the instinct of some writers, and I don't think that that would be as successful. So do you think that there's any guidelines that writers can use to kind of like, how can I use, how can I make my story feel modern? Because it's taking place in a world that uses whatever technology we're using, like texting or TikTok or I sound really old now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, it's really, really interesting. Oh, man. Um, I don't have anything super insightful uh, with this. Um, If I did know, then I would probably be doing it as opposed to being (laughs) like hosting a podcast uh, myself. But the. I, I think. I think one of the strengths of this film, and maybe that might be something good for writers is. This movie uses something, and he's saying something about it, but it's but he's not using it. No, let let me rephrase it. How do I want to? How do I want to make uh, make sense of uh, of this? I don't want to say less is more because that's that's too simple. But um, he's using something that's very current, but it's I don't think in a way that's going to date the movie itself. I mean, he's. I mean shit and in, in, in most simplistic terms he, he's still voice recording himself which you know journalists have been doing for decades right That's uh, true so you know he he's out there I mean you're you're just using the technology that you've got at the time I mean even back to the future movie that I reference all the time I mean they they they're using landlines uh in the 80s and they're doing walkie-talkies in the 50s and you know to communicate and so you just, I guess you're using the technology that that you've got at the time, but you're not, shit, I don't even know. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, um. <laughs> Did I mm-hmm. put you on the spot? <laughs> no, it's not that you put me on. No, it, it's a wonderful <laughs> question. It, it's, it's interesting because I don't, I don't have any, 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 any thoughts or advice for, for writers other than, um. I think there's nothing I don't know. I don't know. I'm, (laughs) I'm, I'm at a loss.
1: I think you you were getting at it, which is like, you, you just incorporate whatever technology you have available to you. And hopefully it won't make your movie feel dated in the future. Right. Like hopefully it's used in a way that um, I don't know if I'm in my head, I'm sort of like mentally trying to quickly catalog like which movies feel dated for their technology and which ones don't and the mm. first movie that came to mind was The Net with Sandra Bullock. Oh, and sure. I, <laughs> and I feel like maybe that one's that one feels dated because it's so much about like the newness of the this technology and you know the the capabilities of it and stuff which obviously are basically out of date like as soon as the movie comes out. So maybe that's the key is just not like you're saying not putting so much emphasis on um the technology as as new technology and just using it as sort of a a thing in the environment in which this particular story takes place you know
0: yeah because i mean you know you you reference a movie like the net right but then the net wasn't the first to really kind of talk about uh you know like the internet i mean shit even um, I think there's even elements in the movie uh sneakers, which was like an <clears> early like nineties film. And then but like the, it was really big because you, you, you would have something like that. You would have the Lawnmower man, you would have uh obviously well the the decade would end with the Matrix. Um you know, so I guess it, it, I, I think yeah, how you are using that technology. Are you is the movie about the technology or are you using the technology to help? Weave the story that you're trying to trying to say. I mean, in the case right. of like, for example, like The Matrix. Obviously, the, at this point, the movie's well over twenty years old. We still go back to it as kind of like a marvel, and yet, like the the technology that they're doing it feels kind of like dated. But it's the story itself of what they're trying to say that you're able to overlook. Okay, this this movie came out twenty plus years ago, and it's about the it's about the future. Um, so this also, I don't know, um, I, I often will go to sci-fi just because I think sci-fi and horror films do really interesting things, but you take a movie like Gattaca, uh, which is more about an idea of this this whole idea of perfection and and then, well, humanity and uh, the, the pursuit of perfection, the pursuit of humanity and what it all really means, and that movie takes place in the future. I don't know if I can't recall if it's giving a certain year or not, but that movie feels very, very like we're we're on the cusp of of something like that. But the movie itself wasn't about we're going to introduce this technology and this is going to be how we're going to talk about. We're we're still telling a people story. And I think that maybe is a, a giant detour around that. That whole idea is the the technology that that ultimately that we use within a movie that that shouldn't and if it is the film make it a damn good film but at the end people want to watch people um, so whether you're using the the current uh, the current lingo if you're if you're discussing podcasting or if you're gonna do uh, a movie on I don't know TikTok or something. You know, it, it, it's still at the core. We're we're watching people, so the the focal point should be about how you're using that technology to tell the story about the person. But the film doesn't necessarily have to be about the technology. It needs to be about the people. I guess I don't know. I don't know.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that's a good point.
0: No, I have no point. I'm just I'm I'm, I'm trying <laughs> to I'm, I'm I'm trying to uh, talk myself into something that sounds coherently intelligent, but I don't know. I'm um, but. That's okay. Again, I, I don't I don't claim to be uh intelligent. I bring intelligent people onto the show. So No pressure. Yeah, no pressure. No pressure. I'm I'm in the clear. Um is there anything else that you wanted that you wanted to cover? I know that you know, we've been chatting for about an hour. I mean, I could chat with you all day. I mean, this is the second time <laughs> I have had you on the show. I love our conversations and as always, you you know, anytime you want to chat about movies, I, I do this shit anyway. So <laughs> You know, but this has been this has been a lot of fun. Is there anything else that you want to cover? Anything else? uh, This movie or anything that you're looking forward to or things that you're working on?
1: Oh, gosh, that's uh, that's big. So so nothing else about this movie. I do encourage people to see it because I feel like like you were saying, the box office maybe had been a little bit disappointing and, or maybe not disappointing that that's, that's me projecting, (laughs) but, um, but I do think it was a good movie that not enough people saw, you know what I mean? And I was a little bit surprised that it didn't sort of stay on our radars a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I know we sort of talked about that the other night too, where like, we're just in this, in this kind of phase of, Movies coming and going, you know, say it, faster. Say your phrase.
0: Say
1: it. <laughs> I'm not going to. I'm not going to <laughs> give it away. Um, no, but really, of movies coming and going like faster than you can keep track of them, right? Like I even see. I feel like I'm pretty aware of what's out there to <laughs> to watch, and I even see movies pop up that I'm like, oh, I want to see. I want to remember to watch that, and then you know, three months go by, and I'm like, whatever happened to that? Did that movie come out? Was it released? You yeah. know, and. I have to, I have to like be very deliberate in making sure I watch the movies that I know I want to see. So, um, so there's that. <laughs> and uh, uh, I totally, sorry, I totally lost my train of thought because I'm no. paying attention to the people doing yard work. Um, so, what else do you want to talk about with this movie? I have no other points that I'd like to make, but I would like to encourage people to go see it or to to stream it and watch it because I do think it's a really good one and worth watching. Um, what else am I working on right now? Um, I have the workbook, so people can check that out if they're interested in a screenwriting book um, that will that will help them write their screenplay. Um, and what do I? I, have you, I need to get
0: you to autograph mine.
1: <laughs> that's that's funny <laughs> <laughs> and silly. <laughs> uh, so I'm definitely not doing that. But um, but I would love it if people would check it out. And what do I have coming up? I'm I I, will, I kind of teased this the other day too. I'm actually in the early stages of writing a second book that's sort of screenwriting related. So we'll see how that goes. I'm excited about it. I just need to actually find the time to kind of put it all together. So.
0: Awesome. Uh, But yeah, you're, um, and we'll, we'll wrap up, but I I did want to just go back to that point of this, this era that we are in where everything, I mean, there is so much content coming out constantly. You're just hit in the face nonstop and, uh, whether it's a show that is streaming or and then it's done. And now they're they're pulling they're they're pulling shows before you even have the chance to watch it because I mean you take a show like even on HBO, uh, they had Westworld, which uh, had two really big years. A third year was a little bit of a downer. Then they have a fourth season and then they pull it and a lot of the audience still hasn't even seen it and because they 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 pulled the entire show. So if you miss, if you didn't watch season four, it's gone. And this just kind of goes into this whole idea of just constant, uh, inundation of like just technology, uh, being thrown at you. And, and and we've got, uh, once upon a time there was cable and now like cable still exists, but you've got about 30 different platform channels, all creating new content. Some of it's good. Some of it isn't. And then you have to try to like, kind of like, I don't know, uh, scour for the good content out there. And it, sometimes it's tough. It takes a while for, for, good quality to find its audience and, and take a movie like this you know the movie did less than two million or so in it's like first couple of weeks and then you know it it kind of like goes away and the movie made you know four million and although it has found a bit of an audience on on demand i'm willing to bet that there's a strong percentage of people that listen to this podcast that haven't even seen this film and it's one of the better ones it's one of the better films that came out all of last year and certainly something that people should take a look at. But that just goes to the point of seeking out good, good art. That's not to say that your your big blockbusters aren't quality. I'm, you know, uh, the the big action stuff, there's a place for it. And even, you know, you you take a movie like Everything Everywhere all at once, which is, you know, still a low budget, you know, a 24 flick, it found its audience, but that's kind of a like a miracle in itself where there are so many other really good small pictures that that it takes time. It takes a long time for it to find its audience. And sometimes it never finds an audience.
1: Yeah. I, I wonder if there's a um because there's so much content now, and you know, I the the joke of I'm totally that joke where I spend half an hour trying to decide what to watch because there's just so much out there. And I'm like, Oh, do I, should I watch this? Or now I have to go to that platform and see what's available there. And just deciding what to watch takes me forever. There is probably a market and maybe this could be you. Um, there's probably a market for somebody to, to sort of uh, recommend you know what I mean somebody who's seen all of the stuff even the bad mm-hmm. stuff and who can who can recommend like okay, here are the things that are worth watching here are the things you just don't need to waste your time on but this is what they're about in case you're in case that's like right up your alley or something mm-hmm. but some sort of like tiered recommendation system because the algorithms don't work on like you know your Netflix recommendations or whatever they're just gonna give you more of whatever falls into that category which may not be necessarily good it may not be necessarily what you're Looking to mm. watch, you want you know like I want my quality of story to be at a certain level, and I sort of don't care what genre it's in. Yeah, so I need a I need an algorithm for that.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I would love to know how to make that algorithm because I also <laughs> I I do I watch everything, and I think I'm a pretty good uh, I have a pretty good metric of what I think is good and what I think is bad. But like for example, I, I I'm at this point where I really don't want to recommend movies anymore. Because I felt in my heart of hearts that I, I that Hereditary was a movie that everybody needed to see, and <laughs> my family to this day still trolls me at the fact that I said they should watch Hereditary, and they're like, "Why did you make me watch that?"s And my my family enjoys a scary flick, but they like it to the point where they've bought me Hereditary like movies and like swag because they think <laughs> it's funny. I uh... I mean, for me, I, I love the film, but. Now. uh so That's i don't know i don't case. know if, I, if yeah. I'm the one to really recommend uh anything but. sure
1: well maybe it's like the next iteration of rotten tomatoes because I feel like I don't know if I entirely trust the Rotten tomatoes ratings you know what I mean mm. um so may- maybe we need to have the ability to sort of like and maybe this is a thing on Rotten Tomatoes that I haven't paid attention to, but like if you could aggregate just the people that you like their opinions, right? That you tend to agree with yeah. or tend to like what they like, if you could just have them feed their recommendations into, into your system or something. That's
0: genius. Uh, yeah. It's all
1: wishful thinking, I guess. But yeah.
0: <laughs> like I'm I'm proud that I thought of this idea, but then didn't do anything and then they did it but i thought it'd be a brilliant podcast to do a whole podcast about movies that rotten tomatoes got wrong mm.
1: but there is now a
0: podcast that says rotten tomatoes was wrong about whichever film because and i just wanted to go through movies that were like under the 60 uh threshold Like that would be a fun podcast thought about yeah. it didn't do it rotten tomatoes have it now and it's like god damn it that was my mm. idea um,
1: <laughs> there's probably another like metric or standard that you could that you could do a podcast around because i know there's that other podcast that's like um now we're just recommending other podcasts yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) no there's one that's called uh this this had oscar buzz or something like that Mm -hmm. and it's like movies that had oscar buzz and then kind of fell off and never went anywhere like didn't get nominations and people forgot about which is you know a similar kind of like uh way to look at movies right like movies that you thought were going to be big and then they didn't do anything why didn't they do anything or right. what what's good or bad about
0: them so or movies that do win oscars and people like forget about I, like i don't know anybody that's ever seen *Cherry of Fire. i don't know <laughs> if i've ever met anybody that's seen it um so maybe there's a podcast of this movie won best picture and people yeah. are just completely like blown away um that's all i've got this has been so much fun as always and of course, you have a natural uh, open invitation anytime you want to chat about a new movie, old or new, or talk about uh, screenwriting as a whole, because that's something I thoroughly enjoy and I learn a little something from you each, uh, each time we talk. So thank you very much. It's been, it's been a true uh, yeah. honor chatting with you.
1: Well, thanks for having me again. I really appreciate it. And always fun to talk to you as well. So I'll be back again, I'm sure.
0: <laughs> awesome. And there you have it. Once again, Naomi just brings the freaking heat i i adore her she's one of my like my new favorite people so naomi thank you very much for being on the show open invitation anytime you ever want to come back and listeners you have an open invitation to come back anytime you want as well so if you aren't already subscribed to the podcast please do me a favor yeah me i was gonna say do yourself a favor but let's be real you're doing this for me if you subscribe so Hop on that, whether you subscribe on Spotify or Apple or you uh, subscribe for updates on my website at StamperCinema.com. You can do so there. And as always, we welcome reviews and you can always follow me on the various social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that is all I've got for you this week. We'll be back again next week with another great episode. But until then... Uh, anything else I want? Oh, ooh, ooh. Um, if you are on Twitter, do yourself a favor. Hop on to my page. I've got something pinned at the top. I recently appeared on somebody else's podcast, and it was kind of like a uh, like a movie trivia kind of like game show uh, style. I was up against a few other contestants. I'm not going to lie to you. It's pretty freaking hysterical. I may have overserved myself before going on this little uh this little game show but it's a good time i can't say without you know i I won't give anything away but it's a good it's a good it's a good listen and uh so take a look at that and you can um no that's it i'm just gonna wrap up i'm just gonna wrap this one up thank you everybody for listening please um tell your friends all that fun stuff and we will see you next time on another episode of stanford cinema